Hey leader, David Burkus here, organizational psychologist and author of four best-selling books on helping teams do their best work ever. And in this video, we're gonna talk about how to manage a remote team and keep your sanity. Remote work has been on the rise for a long time, but 2020 gave extra accelerant to the remote work fire. And now when people ask me, what's the new normal? When are we coming back to the office? The only answer I can give them is we're not, at least not all of us all of the time. It's unrealistic to expect that everybody having sampled a massive work from home movement is going to want to come back to eight hours a day, five days a week at the same old office. And when you look at the engagement research from organizations like Gallup, they find that people are most engaged when they're away from the office working anywhere for two to three days a week. And so you as a leader are gonna have to get used to leading them from anywhere as well. But how do you manage that remote team when they are everywhere? How do you manage when you can't just do what we always did, assume that presence equals productivity? I mean, it was never that good of an idea, but admit it, we did it anyway. Well, the key to managing a remote team is to focus on the outcome, not the activity. There's a lot of organizations that are installing spy software on their people's computers and trying to manage to the activity, how much time are you spending in various apps? And that is a recipe for failure. You might get some productivity gains in the short term, but your people aren't gonna feel trusted, they're not gonna feel engaged, and you are not gonna be able to manage them effectively. So focus on the outcome, not the activity. In the same vein of focusing on outcome, not the activity, there's three ways that that manifests in your day-to-day -day activities as a leader. Let's hit all three. The first thing you need to do is to set objectives mutually. There might have been a time when everyone was in the office and you were looking over their shoulder where you could just give orders and tell people what to do and exactly how to do it. But those times are over. And the better bet is to work with your team to set objectives mutually. Set objectives together. Look at the broader goals. Look at the broader objectives or KPIs that your team needs to accomplish. And then develop weekly, bi-weekly, maybe monthly at the most, more on that in a second, objectives that you can all agree on that serve that purpose, that bring us towards that goal, but are also realistic to the people who are going to be taking on those tasks. In addition, while you're doing that, make sure you agree on the intent behind the objective. Because as people are gonna be working largely by themselves, largely alone, without the ability to just check in, pop in down the hall when things change, when things change, it's better if they know the intent behind the objective so that they can change the deliverable a little bit and still deliver exactly what the team and you were expecting. Now, while you're setting those objectives mutually, make sure you're also shortening the time frame. You notice I said a week, two weeks, or a month. There's a lot of research that people work better when they work on those short time frames, but you are gonna have a lot of course corrections, a lot of realizations, just like why we need to agree on the intent. You're gonna have a lot of things that change when people go off after agreeing with you, go off to work on their own. And so it's better if you have shorter time frames so that everybody can keep each other updated about their weekly or bi-weekly or monthly objectives and how well they're doing instead of waiting three months to find out that somebody delivered something totally unexpected. Now the next thing we need to do after we've set objectives mutually is to track progress regularly. Now I've talked about this in a bunch of different videos that progress is a potent human motivator. But the important thing to note about progress in this capacity is that it's much harder to see. You are not checking in with people, you're not getting those high fives or attaboys or girls 
all of the time. And so as a leader, you need to be finding other ways to demonstrate that your team is making progress towards the objective and that individuals are making progress in their own larger career growth, but even on the day-to-day. Now, tracking progress and checking in means different things to different people. When a lot of people first begin to work remotely or begin to manage a team remotely, they double down on check-ins, which is important. You want to be checking in with your people one-on-one on a regular basis. But how you do it is going to vary based on people and their preferences. Some people's check-in might be a quick email. Other people want to talk every Friday afternoon. Some people want to talk the beginning of every single day and just go, here's my plan for the day. You need to know your team and know how they want to check in so that you can check in differently for different people and demonstrate that progress. The other thing you need to do is to make sure as you're doing those check-ins that you're communicating that back to the team. One of the best ways I've ever heard this described is that you need to be the person that's helping everyone on your team work out loud so that everybody knows what everybody else is doing. When those inevitable course corrections happen, everybody is up to date that they're going to expect a little bit different deliverable. And that only happens if you are checking in regularly and tracking progress regularly. And the third and final thing you need to do to manage your remote team efficiently and effectively is to give feedback collaboratively. Meaning feedback is not just you telling them how well they did or how well they're doing, but it's a broader conversation. Before you go into any feedback conversation, however, make sure that you are isolating people problems from process problems. You might be in a situation where you think somebody is underperforming and then If you do a little bit of investigation, you'll find that the real reason they're underperforming is that they don't have the resources they need or somebody that they need to do their work from another team is just non-responsive. Those are process problems. Those aren't people problems. Those are something you as a leader need to go fix to enable your people, not something you need to fix in your people. So first, separate out those people problems versus process problems. And when we say give feedback collaboratively, I mean don't just talk, listen. If you couldn't figure out a people problem from a process problem before you went into the feedback conversation, listen so that now is the time to help ascertain whether or not people need extra resources, extra training, better coworkers, whatever it is. Now is the time if you're listening as well as giving that feedback. In the same vein, be receptive to your feedback. These feedback conversations are where most managers figure out that different people want different things from their leader. And if you're not listening and if you're not willing to receive feedback on how you're doing, you're not going to hear those things and you're not going to be able to check in regularly but differently for each person. Now, the last thing we should say about giving feedback collaboratively is that in these conversations, you want to focus less on the actions, what they're doing and how they need to be doing it better, and more on the impact behind the action. People don't want to be micromanaged and when they feel like they're being told they're doing something wrong and not told why it matters so much, that's when the feeling of micromanaging creeps in. But if you focus on the impact behind it, I'm asking you to do it this way because so-and-so needs this deliverable in this format or I'm asking you to do it a little bit more efficiently or I'm asking you to communicate with the team a little bit more because we need to hear X. Whatever it is that the rest of the team is expecting from the individual you're giving feedback to, That's what we want to focus on so that they understand the impact behind their actions and are not only more motivated to correct it, but are better prepared to deliver those things to the team efficiently and maybe even find their own ways to improve upon the process. Now, as I said at the top, what all of these methods have in common is that they focus on the outcome 
not the activity. If you are setting objectives mutually, you are focused on the outcomes you're asking people and then what can we do in the shorter time frame to make sure that we're on the path to hit those objectives. Even when you're tracking progress regularly, you're not focused on tracking progress as you spent this much time doing the activity, you're focused on tracking progress towards the mutually desired objective. And when you're giving feedback collaboratively, you are giving feedback, yes, on the activity, but you're doing it by focusing on the impact behind it and how it affects whether or not we as a team are gonna hit those objectives that we set mutually. If you take all of it together and you focus on the outcome, not the activity, you'll find something amazing. You'll find that people willfully engage in the activities without you needing to track them and bring you closer to those outcomes than you ever thought possible. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And while you're there, leave a rating and review because it helps share these messages with many, many more people. And if you really liked it and you want to go deeper, then check out the amazing resources we have for you at davidberkuscom slash resources. Guaranteed there's something in there that'll help you or your team do your best work ever.